Well, for the third Sunday in a row, it's good to have Pastor and Tony Balava and his wife uh, here with us, of course, and uh, his kids as well. And we're looking forward to a great uh, message today. Of course, I already heard it once in the 815 service and looking forward to uh, this morning here. And then tonight, again, 5 p.m., we'll be back in the house of God, and he'll be preaching one more time for us. This Wednesday night, I don't know if we said it, but... Uh, Bruce Stewart will be with us just for the, just one Wednesday night, and our missionary on the way to Gabon, West Africa. Look forward to that. But uh, Pastor Tony, it's so good to always have you come and preach for us this morning. Thank Amen. you so much, brother. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, it's good to be here again uh, this Sunday. This is a treat for us. We don't usually get to be in one place three weeks in a row, so we appreciate that. Appreciate Pastor letting me preach. Uh, let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12 in our Bibles, and uh, as you're turning to Hebrews 12, um, I would ask that you would, if you remember, please, to pray for us through this week. We are here through in uh, Connecticut through Wednesday. We leave on Thursday morning uh, to get into Chattanooga for Sunday for a conference there, and uh, looking forward to being part of a missions conference in Chattanooga on uh, Sunday, and we're in the Chattanooga area for a couple of weeks, and then hopefully, Lord willing, make our way back to New England, um, middle of December, and looking forward to maybe, uh, as Lord wills, having our entire family together uh, in New England for Christmas. The only second time in a number of years that we've been able to do that, and, and so we're looking forward to it. But it's good to be here this morning. Hebrews chapter number 12 in our Bibles this morning, and... Um, Pastor heard this once and he stuck around for it again. So I don't know, you know, maybe it's okay. Hebrews, but he's got to stick around, right? So I don't know how much, you know, that encourages me. Hebrews chapter 12 in our Bibles. And as we come to Hebrews 12, I, I want to remind you of something that I'm sure you're familiar with if you're familiar with your Bible and especially the New Testament. And that is that throughout the, throughout the New Testament, the Holy Spirit of God very often inspired the human recorders of the word to speak about the Christian life in Olympic terms or in terms of an Olympic participant. Uh, sometimes as a wrestler, sometimes as a boxer, uh, but very often as a racer or somebody who runs a race. And in Olympic days, the big race was the marathon. And uh, that is what the Christian life is, by the way, a marathon race. And it's very often spoken about as a race to run. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a lifelong race from the day you get saved to the day you get to go meet Jesus. You're a participant in that race. You're supposed to be running that race, and we want to run it well. And and finish it well, uh, you know, as a Christian, our goal ought to be like what Paul's was, I think. He said in Acts 20 and 24 that he wanted to finish his course, wanted to finish the ministry which he had been entrusted with. And in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, he said, listen, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And, you know, I've never met a serious Christian anywhere who wasn't hoping one day, not only to, you know, as a Christian, I don't hope to meet Jesus. It's just a matter of when I meet Jesus. Uh, you know, my salvation is settled in Jesus Christ. But when I meet him, I do hope to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And, you know, through the scriptures, there are no like second place things that he'll say. Uh, you don't get a participation trophy, if you will. 
Um, it's not going to be well almost. It's either well done or I don't read anything else where, where Jesus says anything but that to those who stand before him. I'm sure he says something because everybody's not going to hear well done, but I, I trust you want to hear well done. And, um, you know, as you think about the Christian race and you think about wanting to hear those words, well done, you realize that you have to run well, you have to finish well, but uh, this is not very deep, but pay attention just the same. Uh, you also have to at least get started. You can't, you can't run well if you haven't started to run. You can't finish well if you haven't started to run. And so as we come to Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 and 2, we're going to see some encouragement on running the race, how to run well, how to finish well. And as we come to Hebrews 12, I want to remind you this morning just quickly that as you read through your Bible, remember that the chapter breaks that are there, and I've said this a number of times in these last couple of weeks, but I want to remind you that the chapter breaks that are there, those are put in there for our understanding. They were done by man. They're not inspired and they don't always indicate a break in context. In fact, very often they don't indicate a break in context. When we look at a secular book, uh, very often if you think about your books in school, maybe your different subject books, a different chapter will represent a whole different kind of turn on the context of what you've been talking about. But in the Bible, that's not always the case. And very often you find out that that the, that the context spills over from one chapter to the next. And if you were going to break down Hebrews 11 and 12 by the context, you would not have put the chapter break between Hebrews 11.40 and Hebrews 12.1. You would put it further down into Hebrews chapter 12. It's important to remember that because we're going to refer back to Hebrews 11 a little bit later on. And so let's look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, remembering that this really continues on from what has already been recorded in Hebrews 11. And we know that because the verse starts with, verse 1 starts with wherefore. The wherefore is a word that points back to something that's already been said and discussed. And what's been said and discussed is Hebrews chapter 11. And so wherefore we are seeing, uh, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now in the context again, this great cloud of witnesses is everybody that's been discussed in Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Wherefore we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which has so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the the uh, look, I'm sorry, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I pray, Father, that you will bless our time together. We thank you for the, the music already that's blessed our hearts. We pray it's been pleasing in your ears as well, and that you would uh, be honored and glorified in all that's said and done here. We pray that nobody would leave this place without knowing you as Savior. Lord, if somebody here uh, is not 100% certain, if they were to die today, that they would be instantaneously and forever in the presence of Jesus Christ. We pray that today they would receive him, that you speak to every Christian heart and help us, Lord, to be encouraged to run our race, to run it well, and to finish well. Uh, for your honor and glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
many years ago, pastor told me it was probably 25 years ago at least, uh, Harvest Baptist Church, the men of Harvest Baptist Church gathered themselves together to head up to northern Maine to raft the Penobscot River and to hike Mount Katahdin. Mount, Maca- Mount Katahdin is the northernmost peak of the Appalachian Trail, it sits at over 5,200 feet, and it's no small mountain to hike up. And anybody who knows anything about any kind of athletic activity knows that, you know, there's certain things you want to do to be ready to, to kind of complete whatever you're going to be involved in. If you're going to hike Mount Katahdin, it might be a good idea to be in shape to hike Mount Katahdin. Well, unfortunately, there were some who were with us who weren't in shape, and we had to literally carry off and makeshift stretchers and stuff in a car and rush them to a hospital. Uh, it might be good if you're going to hike Mount Katahdin and you're going to hike what across they call the, the knife's edge, a very narrow piece of rock and with a good, uh, you know, a good fall off on either side of you. It'd be a good thing not to get distracted up there. Now, nobody fell to their deaths, but there were people who were distracted, and that can distract other people as well, by the way, as you're looking and thinking, man, it's not going to go well when they fall. Um, there are certain things you do to prepare yourself uh, to be involved in athletics. And as we come to our text today, we're told that we're running a Christian race that we're supposed to run this race that is set before us. And as we look at this, I want us to understand that my race isn't your race, your race isn't my race. We're all in a Christian race, but we all run different races as well. And there's different things that the Lord wants us to do as we're running that race. But there's some principles that apply universally as we run the race that will help us to do it well and to finish well. Um, four things we're going to look at this morning. We're going to see the need to be prepared, the need to be persistent, the need to be prudent, and the need to be purposed. But first, let's just look at this idea of being prepared. Be prepared to run the race. I don't know about you, but I, I, in high school, participated in high school sports. I uh, played football, I uh, wrestled, and I threw the shot put on the track team. I didn't run track, but I, I, that was, those were my three sports, and I enjoyed those sports. And um, for me, my whole life has always been like this, second place, first place loser type of thing, you know, so... JV, no thanks. If I'm going to be JV, I'd rather just not be on the team. Um, I don't want to sit on the bench. I'm not interested in that. And so I learned very early on, I don't have the skills that a lot of other people have to just kind of come up and show up and say, well, I'm going to play and all of a sudden they're varsity. I learned I had to do a lot of work outside of regular practices. I had to prepare myself and I had to spend time in the gym and I had to spend time with people who would get with me and help me alongside of, come alongside of me to prepare me and, and to work so that I could play the sports I wanted to play, not sit on the sidelines, not be on JV, but participate. And so I did a lot of preparing. I did a lot of work to prepare. I've also been involved in some other sporting activities where um, it's wise to do some work to prepare, but it's not required or wasn't required. Um, I, when I was about 10 or 11 years old, 
I wanted to run in a marathon right here in Connecticut. I wanted to run in the Robert M. Holcomb Memorial Marathon. It's a, it's a marathon that still takes place in, actually it's kind of a mini marathon or a half marathon, takes place in Plainville, and it's in honor of Robert Holcomb, who was the first and only police officer to be killed in the line of duty in Plainville, Connecticut. And if you want to run in the Robert M. Memor- uh, Robert M. Holcomb Memorial Marathon, they don't require you to prepare. They don't require you to qualify. Uh, they don't say, it's not the Boston Marathon. They don't say, hey, listen, you got to be in this group or you can't run the race. All you have to do is show up with some money. The money goes to the uh, families of fallen officers. You pay the entry fee, you can run the race. Well, as about a 10 or 11-year-old boy, I wanted to run in the Robert M. Memorial, Robert M. Holcomb, rather, Memorial uh, Marathon. But as a 10-year-old boy, I didn't have the money to enter the race. I didn't have a job. I came from a single-parent home and didn't have a lot of money. And my mother didn't have money. And, and I didn't know where it was going to come from. But I wanted to run that race. And so I showed up for the race, not having the money, thinking, okay, I won't get one of those little fancy numbers they let you pin on your shirt, but maybe I'll just get to run alongside of people. And as I was kind of watching and people registering for the race, uh, there was a policeman that was there that noticed me and we knew each other and he, he said hello to me and I said hello to him and I really didn't want him to notice me. I was embarrassed that I didn't have the money to run the race or to enter into the race and, and yet he did notice me. And not only did he notice me, he, he called me up to an empty spot at the table where I could register for the race and I really didn't want to go there. I didn't want him to know that I didn't have the money. For me, it was an embarrassment. As I got to the table, that police officer explained to the lady who was registering participants for the race that Robert Holcomb was my uncle. And I don't remember exactly how it transpired or exactly what was said, but the idea of the rest of the conversation was this and what they told me. Your uncle, by his death, has paid your registration to run this race. You don't have to pay to run the race. We're going to let you run the race because your uncle has paid the price. That was all I needed to be prepared, according to them, to run the race. As we look at this text this morning, I want us to understand that this race we're going to talk about, without being irreverent at all, might be called the Jesus Christ Memorial Marathon. We run it in honor of him and what he has done in our lives. That's why we run this race. We don't run it for ourselves. We don't run it for our glory. We run it for his glory and for what he has done to memorialize what he has done. And if you're going to be prepared to run this race... You may be thinking, there's a lot of stuff I got to do to run the Christian race. Well, actually, if you look at the rule book for the race, you'll find out that there's nothing you can do to qualify to run the race. We can never measure up. I can't attend enough church services. I couldn't be baptized enough times. I couldn't do enough good works to be able to qualify or be prepared to run this race. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, 
But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Isaiah 57 and verse 12, the Lord says, I will declare thy righteousness and thy works, for they shall not profit thee. Job 40 and verse 4, Job said this, he said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. David said in Psalm 51, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Uh, Paul said in, in Romans 7 and verse 18, For I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for to, do, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not, or I don't know how to do. Ephesians 2, 1 says, We are all dead in trespasses and sins. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all of this to say that you and I could never do enough good works. We could never be good enough. We couldn't work out enough. We couldn't come to church enough or, or be baptized enough or serve in the church enough to prepare to run this race. The Bible says that the entry fee for this race is the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So, before you start the race, you may be like Paul, wondering, what do I do? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I'm glad that verse 25 says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm glad that the Bible says, For God hath made him Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And, and I want us to understand something this morning. That if you're going to be prepared to run this marathon, the Jesus Christ Memorial Marathon... You can't do it by your good works. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a works, lest any man should boast. And, and so you may be thinking, well then, there must be something I have to do to prepare. There is. You simply have to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. In fact, it's the only thing you can do to prepare. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My favorite verse in the Bible as it pertains to salvation in Jesus is John chapter 1 and verse number 12. But to as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he power or right or authority to become the sons or the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. I love John chapter 1 and verse 12 because it tells us very succinctly how I can be prepared to run this race, how I can know for sure I'm on my way to heaven, and it is this. I accept the gift that God has given me, but to as many as received him. Read the Bible and you'll find over and over and over again that salvation is a gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And just like a Christmas gift under a Christmas tree can sit there until somebody picks it up, it's not yours till you do pick it up. And you have to receive it. But to as many as received him and reach out by faith and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. For the mouth confession is made unto salvation, but with the heart man believeth 
And so I want us to see this morning that to be prepared to run this Christian race, you must receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You can't be in the Christian race unless you're a Christian. And you can't be a Christian unless you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's how it works. And just as I could enter into the Robert M. Holcomb Memorial race and not pay the entry fee because my uncle paid the price literally with his life, I know that I'm on my way to heaven and I can run the Christian race because Jesus Christ has paid with his life my entry fee, not just into the race, but into heaven for all eternity. And if, if you are going to run this race, number one, you've got to be prepared. You have to receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior. But there's more to running a race than just being prepared, because you can be prepared as you want to be and still not run well. You remember Ranger Dave at Mount Katahdin? Yeah, you probably remember Ranger Dave. Anybody who was on that trip remembers Ranger Dave. Ranger Dave was never a part of Harvest Baptist Church, so don't try to figure out who he is. Ranger Dave came so prepared to hike Mount Katahdin that he actually looked like he was going to hike Mount Everest. The guy had a 50-pound backpack. It, it was so big that he, he couldn't even carry it the whole time. You remember on our way back down? They took my backpack. They took this. They did that. You can be as prepared as you want, but it's not enough. Dave came very, very over-prepared. But he didn't finish well. In fact, he had to have help finishing. There's some other things involved. What are, what's involved in, in running well and finishing well? Well, number one, be prepared. Number two, be persistent. Be persistent. Anybody who has played sports or run a race knows something. Persistence is vital. It's easy to start the race. It's a lot harder to finish the race. It's a lot harder to stay in the race. You have to press on. You have to be persistent. And if you've ever been involved in sports at all, you know that one of the, the ways that you are helped in being persistent is by those who cheer you on, those who kind of encourage you along the way, whether it be a coach or the fans in the stands or your teammates on the sidelines. They help you. I was helped on more than one occasion in a wrestling match by my teammates sitting on the side of a mat, not just sitting there and watching, but getting down and, and being a part almost of that match and screaming and encouraging me and yelling to me, you can do it, you can finish. Uh, I, I, I used to coach midget football. And one of the things I did not allow our, our players to do was when they were on the sidelines, they were never allowed to sit down on the bench. They always had to stand on the sidelines and they always had to cheer on their team that was out there playing. Because I understood it was going to be a help to those who were on the field. And if you're going to be persistent, you can understand that, that sometimes the people who cheer you on are the people who make a difference on whether you persist or you drop out. Or you don't do so well. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, we have a whole crowd that cheers us on. 
Wherefore we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. They cheer us on. Who is this great cloud of witnesses? Well, they make up what we call the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. That's what we call Hebrews 11. They're the great heroes of the faith. But sometimes I have thought to myself that we really do a great disservice to ourselves by calling them the heroes of the faith. Because a lot of times what happens is we set them on such a high pedestal that we think that they had some special measure of faith that we could never attain to and that their lives were structured in such a way that they never had to deal with what we had to deal with so that they just ran a perfect race and we could never duplicate what they can duplicate or what they have done rather. And, and, and so as we come to Hebrews 11, I want us to remember a couple of things. Number one, these were men and women of like passion, as James says about Elijah. They were just like you and I. They had everyday lives with everyday trials. And also, Romans 15 and verse 4 tells us that those things that are recorded about people in the Old Testament, these heroes of the faith, those things were recorded purposely to help you and I in our Christian walk so that we might run the race well and finish well. And so as we look at those, this crowd of witnesses, these people who cheer us on in this Christian race, I want us to think about them just for a few moments this morning in a little bit different light and see that they were everyday people who basically say this, I ran this race, like Paul said, I have finished my course, I ran this race, and basically they say, you can do it too. If I could do it, you could do it. If I could hike Mount Katahdin, you can hike Mount Katahdin. If I can play football, you can do it too. If I can, with the little bit of skills that I've been afforded, work and work and work and make varsity, you can too. These people say the same thing. Perhaps as you run the Christian race, you say, well, I have a family that really kind of doesn't encourage me in the Christian race. Now, I thank God for my wife and my children, but the truth of the matter is, I'm the first Christian in my family, and my wife would tell you, a pastor is well aware, I didn't have a family who encouraged me in the Christian race. Not at all. In fact, they were very opposed to that. So, who do I look to in Hebrews 11 for help? Well, there's a guy named Joseph there. He says, look it, I had a family who didn't help me. As bad as my family was to me, they never sold me into slavery. They would have if they could have, but they didn't. Joseph says, I've done it. You can too. Maybe you look at society and culture and you say, you know what? I don't know about fighting the good fight any longer because it's just so wicked. Well, there's a guy named Noah who knew a little bit about that. In Noah's day, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. By the way, nothing's changed from Noah. It's not more wicked now than it was in Noah's day. Noah says, I fought the fight. I stood for righteousness. You can too. Maybe, maybe you have fear of, of following God in the Christian race because you say, if I do follow God, I don't know where I'm going to end up. Whereas a guy named Abraham says, been there, done that. Remember when God came to Abraham? Abraham, pack up your stuff. I'm going to tell you where you're going to go. Imagine being Abraham when you go home. Sarah, pack everything up. We're moving. Where are we going? I don't know. Well, how are we going to get there? I don't know. My wife says, every time we get in the car, that's what I feel like. I don't know where we're going. I don't know how we're going to get there. I don't know. 
Well, did you get a job promotion? No. Well, where are we going? Why are we going? Oh, God's going to show us when we get there. If you have fear in the Christian race because you don't want to run it because you don't know where we're going to end up, Abraham says, been there, done that. It's okay. Maybe you're fretting and you say, you know what? I don't know if God can keep all of his promises. Some of them, yes, for sure. But all of them? Well, there's a lady named Sarah. She says, hey, God promised me a baby. I had to wait till I was 90. But God kept his promise. Maybe, maybe you're having a hard time fostering a godly home and raising up children in this day and age. Well, there's a man named Isaac and a man named Jacob say, I ran that race, you can do it too. Maybe you're feeling inadequate to the task that God's called you to. Moses understands that. He says, I've run that race, you can do it too. Maybe you've got some festering sores from a past life. I was saved as an adult. I didn't always have uh, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I have a past that I'm not very proud of, to tell you the truth. And sometimes that can hurt. And sometimes you look back at it and you think, with my past, God can never use me. But there's a lady in Hebrews 11 named Rahab, Rahab the harlot. And she says, I've run that race. You can run it too. Uh, maybe you say, well, I've, I've failed so many times running this race. I don't know if God can use me again. There's a guy named Samson that says, hey, I've, I've fallen a few times. You can get up and run it too. Maybe you uh, are trying to fill the shoes of some reputation that you think you have to live up to, and you wonder if you can ever do it. Well, there's a guy named Japheth who was Gideon's son, and he says, um, I ran that race. You can, you can run it too. Maybe you're focusing on all the wrongs that somebody has done to you and you say, you don't understand how many times I've been wronged and so it's just easier to drop out of the race. Well, there's a guy named David who says, hey, I had a son named Absalom and all I ever did was try to serve Saul. I ran that race. You can, you can run it too. Maybe, maybe you're wondering about future goals and you say, you know what? I, I know that God wants to use me greatly in the future, but right now he's got me involved in such small things that's kind of discouraging. There's a guy named Samuel who said I had to work with Eli and be mentored by Eli. Not such a great guy. I ran that race. You can run it too. Maybe, maybe like so many of us sometimes given to the foolishness of peer pressure and just say, hey, everybody else is doing it. And Daniel says, no, I purposed in my heart and you can too. Maybe you're facing circumstances that seem so, so great that you wonder if God can handle them. And in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a widow woman of Zarephath who was going to go cook her last meal and die. And there's the Shunammite woman whose son was dead and God raised him from the dead. And they say, I've run that race and, and you can run it too. Be persistent. Press on. And if you're going to run the race and run it well, you have to be persistent. And this great cloud of, of, of witnesses, yes, they're heroes of the faith. And they cheer us on. And they say, I've done it. And you can do it too. The third thing you have to do to run the race well is not just be prepared, not just be persistent, but number three, be prudent. Be prudent. Hebrews 12 and verse 1 says this, laying aside every weight, every weight, lots of different weights, and every sin which does so easily beset us. And not every sin, I'm sorry, and sin, which does so easily beset us. Laying aside every weight and sin, which does so easily beset us. This tells us you got to be prudent as you run the race. This phrase, every weight, it speaks of impediments. 
it, it speaks of hindrances. I want us to know that there are many of them, every weight. But we're only supposed to lay aside one sin, the sin which does so easily beset us. That's iniquity. We might sum these two things up by simply saying this. Impediments, they're the distractions that keep us from running the race well. Iniquity, in the context, we're going to see that ultimately the sin that does so easily beset us in the Christian race is disbelief. Distractions and disbelief. Think about this with me for a second. When we are talking about running the race and laying aside those weights which kind of hinder us. Anybody who's been involved in, in athletics know that sometimes you work out with, with in ways that you don't do in game time. For example, long-distance runners will sometimes run with weights on their ankles and weights on their wrists so that when they run the race and don't have them on them, they run further, faster, and better. Baseball players will sometimes use a, batted, uh, a weighted bat during practice, but Hank Aaron never used a weighted bat when he was breaking world, uh, world records with his home runs. They take him off in the game. They would be a distraction. And honestly, when it comes to distractions in the Christian race, is, is I, I've been around and just kind of made observations. I found that more often than not, that the distractions that, that really keep us from running the race well are not wicked things, but usually there are things that we trade good things instead of carrying out the best things. Let me try to, try to illustrate. I know a young man who has made testimony on multiple occasions of being called into foreign missions. He's a fine young man, in fact, one of the finest I know. But he's also very concerned about our nation and our country. And he's concerned about the, the direction of our country and very concerned about our government. And he called me one day wanting to know what I thought about a plan he had. And his plan was this, I'm going to run for office and I'm going to make a difference in government. I began to talk to him. Now, his, his desire was right and correct and sincere. I just want to make a difference for Jesus Christ in our government. But I, I asked him one thing. Did God call you to missions on the foreign field? He said, yes, he did. I said, did God call you to be involved in government? He said, no, I just want to make a difference there. I said, well, you could do it, but it would be a distraction. It would, it would hinder you from running your race well. Your race is missions on the foreign field. My family and I have had the occasion to sit with... Uh, He's no longer in office, but uh, on several occasions, we sat with our congressman from Arizona, a good and godly man, Trent Franks. Uh, one of the godliest men I've ever met, surely in government, maybe anywhere, honestly. And I trust him enough to actually have him sit down and give my children advice about their future life because I trust him to give godly advice. And we were sitting in his office one day and we had all of our children with us and he was asking, I said, hey, Congressman, would you give my children some advice about the future? And he sat and he talked with each one of them and he asked each one of them, what do you think God wants you to do? And I was glad that a congressman asked my children, the first question was, what do you think God wants you to do? And he said, what do you think God wants you to do? Amanda answered, God wants me to be a missionary on the foreign field. 
Caleb answered the service, uh, military. Uh, Janique at that time was thinking about being involved in government. And, and Ellie was really young, and I don't remember what she was talking about. Maybe she wanted to get married. I'm not sure. Um, she was too young to probably even know. I'm going to need a bodyguard after this because, man, she's got laser beam eyes on me right now. And Congressman Franks told us his story. He said, you know, I wanted to be a missionary on the foreign field. My brother's an evangelist, and I desired to be a missionary on the foreign field, and I began to prepare for that. And as I prepared, God said, that's not your race. You're going to be a missionary to the unborn on Capitol Hill. And if anybody knows anything about Trent Franks, you know that he fought a fight like no other congressman in our lifetime to help stop killing babies in America. That was his race. Had he gone to the foreign field, he would have got distracted from his race. If the young man who called me got involved in government and, 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 and focused on that, he would get distracted in his race. We have to lay these things aside. They distract us from running the race that is ours. You see, my race isn't your race, and your race isn't my race, and, and none of us has David's race or Joseph's race. We have our own race, and we have to make sure that we lay aside those distractions. Usually, they're not wicked things. Usually, they're just good things that get in the way of the best things. Not only do we have to lay aside the distractions, but the Bible says that we have to lay aside the sin. Not sins, plural, but the sin. Now, I want to remind you that at the beginning, I, I went out of my way to tell you that the context of Hebrews 12 is a continuation of Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, it's not just about the heroes of the faith, but it starts off this way. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. And then we're going to read about them and how they obtained a good report. They did not run their race because of, uh, of their great wisdom and their finesse and because of their strength and their stamina. They ran their race because they ran by faith. They ran by faith. Verse 6 says of Hebrews 11, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek them, or seek him. rather. Now you think about everybody we read in Hebrews 11, and how does every person get in, in, introduced to us? By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Moses. By faith, David. By faith, jo uh, Japheth. By faith, Joseph. What do the great crowd of witnesses actually say to us? I ran my race by faith. You can too. Lay aside disbelief. This is how you are persistent. Lay aside the distractions Lay aside disbelief and run in faith. By the way, it's the Christian race. You cannot hear, well done, good and faithful servant, if you don't run by faith. How do I know that? Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. You can't run the Christian race in your own wisdom, strength, and stamina. You can only run it by faith. And that brings us to our fourth point. 
If you're going to run the race and you're going to run well and finish well, you have to be prepared, you have to be persistent, you have to be prudent, you have to be purposed. You have to be purposed. What's the great purpose of the Christian race? Is it really so that I can hear well done, good and faithful servant? That's not really the great purpose of the Christian race. The great purpose of the Christian race is, what did I say at the beginning? This is the Jesus Christ Memorial Marathon. I run for him and for what he has done. I run for his glory. I run so that others can see Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so we need to run with purpose. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says this. Yes, verse 1 says you have this great crowd of witnesses. They're cheering you on. But where are you supposed to look? At the crowd of witnesses? No, looking unto Jesus. When I would coach football, and I love to coach football mostly because they have face masks on their helmets, and when you want to get their attention, it's not hard because you can grab them by the face mask, and you get them up close and personal. And when I would have a, a football player who was distracted, I would get him by his face mask, and I would pull him in close to me and I would say, hey, listen, when you're out there on the field, you're either paying attention to the play or you're looking at me. You're not looking at your mommy and daddy in the stands. You're not looking at your friends. You're not paying attention to all the crowd that's paying attention to you. You're looking at me because I'm your coach and I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Well, I want us to know that as we run the Christian race, there's only one person we're supposed to look to. It's not the other runners. It's not the ones who ran before us looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of the faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the, right, uh, at the right hand of the throne of God. See, ultimately the Christian race isn't so I can be more like Moses, Abraham, Gideon, Sarah, Daniel, David, or even Joseph. The Christian race is so that with every step I take, I'm more like Jesus. So that my life is a reflection of him. So that people see him and, and point to him. So we have to be purposed to run like Jesus, to be like Jesus. Let me give you three ways to run like Jesus, and I'm all done. I'm going to give them to you just as bullet points. If you're going to run this race and you run it like Jesus, number one, he ran with unquestioned obedience. He ran with unquestioned obedience. Yes, in the garden, he prayed, Father, if it be thy will, remove this cup from me. But he immediately followed that up with, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Unquestioned obedience. So that when God comes and says, hey, Abraham, pack up and move. Abraham says, okay. Where are we going? Oh, I'll show you when you get there. Okay. Unquestioned obedience. Number two, an unsurpassed attitude. Did you notice that Jesus ran the race with joy? And guess what? He knew where the race ended. He knew it ended at the cross. He told people that time and again. He set his face toward Jerusalem. He told the disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem where I'm going to be mocked and belittled and spit upon and I'm going to be crucified. And yet he ran with joy. And yet we grumble and we complain and we wonder why our race is so hard. Run with joy. An unsurpassed attitude. And then number three, he ran with unparalleled humility. Unparalleled humility. 
He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says he despised the shame. The idea of that is that he didn't care about the shame of the cross. And, and the Bible declares that cursed is the man that hangs on the tree. Philippians 2 and verse 8 says, And being found in a fashion as man, he, Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of pro sports. And the primary reason is because I think they're a bunch of overgrown, spoiled brat babies. Sorry if I offended you. When, when the pro sports teams would call us in Arizona and say, hey, come out for our family night. I didn't care if it was basketball, baseball, football. Didn't care. I always say the same thing. No, um, we're trying to teach our people to be different from your players. They're all puffed up with pride. And last time I checked, pride goeth before a fall. Jesus ran with unparalleled humility. And if Jesus can run with unparalleled humility, so can you and I. By the way, it's the only way we're going to run well. So if you're going to run this race, be prepared. You, the only way you can do that is to be saved, receive Jesus as Savior. Be persistent. Be prudent. Be purposed. We run the race not for our glory, but for his, so that others can see Christ in us the hope of glory. Father, thank you uh, for your goodness and your grace to us. I do pray now as pastor comes to close the service that you would have your will and way as we have a time to reflect and make decisions on what you've done in our hearts because the word of God has been preached this morning and the Holy Spirit of God has ministered that word to us individually. Bless, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.